and welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy, and today we'll be discussing She's All That, which was released in the US on the 29th of January 1989, and in the UK and Ireland on the 21st of May 1989. It was written by R. Lee Fleming Jr. and directed by Robert Icecoe. Uh, two men. Would you look at that? Yeah, and let, uh, let's acknowledge that uh, M. Night Shyamalan wrote it too. Oh, did he? Did he have an input? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> it stars Freddie Prince Jr., Rachel Lee Cook, Matthew Lillard, uh, Jodie Lynn O'Keefe, Paul Walker, Dooley Hill, Kevin Pollock, Elton Henson, um, Usher, Little Kim. Gabrielle Union, Kieran Culkin, and Anna Paquin. It's a stacked <laughs> cast, and there's too many to mention. Yes. I've uh, even missed out a couple. <laughs> Jimmy and I have thought of problems the movie has, three each, and we'll discuss them. We also have thought of one positive the movie has. Do you have any history with this movie? I've seen it, but it's not one that I would watch a lot. So I saw it back in 99. When it came out in VHS, I'm assuming it would have come out late 99. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen it a couple of times since then, maybe on TV. But that's about it, really. Um, it's not one that I go back to. Uh, I don't particularly love it. Um, but I also don't hate it, so there's that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's just... It, I don't know why. I don't think I liked it. I, I'm not a huge Freddie Prince Jr. fan. Mm-hmm. I think we established that back in... Uh, I still know what he did last summer. I think his acting is very, very wooden. And he just... I just don't like his delivery of things. And I don't really go back to his movies much. It's it's alright. I don't hate it. It's It's got some good stuff in it. Some good actors in it. Uh, yeah. What's your history? Uh, did you say it opened on January 28th? Um, 29th. 29th. I probably saw it opening weekend, uh, and it was probably a birthday thing, because uh, yeah. that would have been around my birthday. Um, yeah, I saw it opening weekend, and I really liked it, um, and I watched it a bunch of times. And actually, um, when I was like 18 or 19, so a few years later, my friend had a website, and he wanted me to do movie reviews for it. And I was like, well, I'm not sure. So I decided to do a practice review. Mm-hmm. And one day it was slow at the video store I worked at. So I put in She's All That and started watching it in a critical way. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided I did not want to be a critic because it ruins movies I enjoy because I saw all the flaws. Like I saw how bad Freddie Prince Jr. was. And it's like, it's mm-hmm. a movie that I genuinely enjoyed before that. Yeah. And then I just kind of ruined it. But then I've watched it a lot throughout the years and like it better. And then when we first talked about doing this podcast, this was like one of the very first movies I thought of. And I think it's because of that experience of thinking about it critically. Yeah. Now, that's a good reason, actually, because I'm I'm going at this from a critic's point of view. There is things in this movie that I really don't like. Uh, There are some things, I mean, not even like character wise or actor-wise, because I think the actors are pretty solid, apart from Freddie Prince Jr. You put Freddie Prince Jr., Paul Walker, uh, Rachel Lee Cook, Jodie Lynn O'Keefe, and uh, Matthew Lillard in a scene together. He's not coming out on top, I'm yeah. afraid. <laughs> he's, he's just not. I mean, those people commit to this movie mm-hmm. um, and commit to their parts. 
And I just don't believe him in this role. There's times when he's been genuine and heartfelt to Lenny, and I still think he's grifting. Because I can't tell the difference. And that's terrible to say, but I just don't think he's a strong actor. But I'm not here to bash Freddie Prince Jr. Because there is some, like, story beats in this that don't make sense, or there's some scenes that are just shoved in for no reason. Okay, I'm gonna... I, I guess I'll go ahead and address this, because Dylan noticed something when we watched it last night. Yeah. And I think it's worth a discussion. Dylan figures there's a lot of deleted scenes. Um, because there are lines that like neither of us have ever thought made sense. Mm-hmm. And like one thing he noticed that I hadn't noticed was that Kieran Culkin has hearing aids in. Yeah. And they never talk about it. And that seems like something they probably would have addressed earlier. Yeah. And there's a part where um, they're walking on the beach before they run into his friends. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, if we're, and then they see them, and he says, if we're going to be friends, you have to get used to it. And Dylan pointed out, there's probably a whole scene where they agree to be friends. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, uh, after the performance, <laughs> the performance art, and um, there's, there's a scene where he's like, what happened last night? And she said, I was busy. And mm-hmm. Dylan thought there might be a, another scene where he tries to hang out with her and she says she's busy or something like it. Yeah. There were a lot of little lines like that where it really seemed like they probably cut something from it. And I'm wondering if the movie might have even been better if they had had those scenes, because there's a lot that leaves you kind of confused. I mean, a lot of these movies do seem to have that, don't they? They always mm-hmm. tend to have scenes cut out that probably would have been better had they didn't. Well, and... I'll say this. Um, mm. Har- Harvey Weinstein was heavily involved in this movie. Oh, and, was he? Yeah. And my experience in hearing about ways that Harvey Weinstein interfered with movies is that he actually made bad decisions. Now, this movie was very successful, so maybe I'm wrong. But mm. I just feel like if if there were scenes cut out that would have made the movie better, it was probably Harvey Weinstein giving bad notes. But did Harry Weinstein have anything to do with... I mean, he produced Scream, but did he have anything to do with, like, did he add notes to that? Did he take anything out? Or I think he left them alone for Scream, for the most part. Yeah, because I think he knew that Scream was a banger, basically. That he knew... Even he knew that that was gonna, you know, do well. And Get Over It, um, which came out a couple years after this he completely changed things because he wanted to make it like she's all that. Like if she's all that is Pygmalion or my fair lady, he wanted get over it to be um, like Shakespeare. Like it was Midsummer's night, Midsummer night's dream and like ushers in this. And so he felt like Cisco should be in that movie. Yeah. But it's also the same writer. Is it? Yeah, get over it and this year a writer, yeah. Okay, so he was probably having the writer, like, he probably just wanted another She's All That. And mm-hmm. maybe the writer, because I know the original script was very different. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, um, 10 Things I Hate About You. I can't remember what bloody thing it is. But it's... Um, it's Taming of the there. Shrew. Yeah, 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 that's it. Well, and Dylan and I were talking about it last night, and we decided... We're pretty sure 10 Things I Hate About You is the most perfect teen movie. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did some research on this and some people were saying that, that, that this is like the best 90s teen movie. Oh, no. And I'm like, no, no. Not when 10 Things I Hate About You exists, matey. I'm sorry. And even if 10 Things I Hate About You isn't your favorite, 
Like, yeah. it's still, I mean, it, it's not my favorite teen movie, but I think it is the most solid teen movie, the most perfect teen movie. Yes, 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 yes. It's the best made, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I can't think of any flaws with that movie. I love it. Like, I just, I think it's great. Yeah, I don't think we'll cover it in this. Because I think we'll just be really nitpicking, scraping the bottom of the barrel if we try to do that. Yeah. Um... Right, so what's your first problem then? My first problem is probably pretty obvious, uh, but it's Hacky Sack. Um, (laughs) How is that always? (laughs) Because it's so awful. It is so awful. And And I respect the intent behind it. I do. Yes. But I feel like maybe they could have done something a little better because it's it's Dylan can't handle um, cringe moments. Like he can't handle things where people embarrass themselves. He always has to leave the room at that part. I'm not a huge fan of cringe comedy myself, to be honest. He probably hasn't seen that scene since we saw it in the theater when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, like he just cannot handle it. And that's always a bad sign. Um, it's just, it's, oh God, I, I just can't handle it. Hack, E, sack. Oh my God. I know. It's pretty random as well, because we don't really see what he does. We know he's a jock, Mm -hmm. but there's no real, real indication of what sports he plays. He plays soccer. At that point. Yeah, but but at that point, yeah. Yeah. It's just a weird sort of scene that he does, but... You know, good for him for thinking about it on the spot. That part also makes Lainey look really bad, because that's mean. Yeah, that's just going to be my first problem then. Okay. And are we supposed to like anyone in this? <laughs> you don't like anyone? <laughs> um, I like Anna Paquin, Eldon Henson, and Kieran Culkin. What about Gabrielle Union? Yeah, she gets... She gets yeah, because she's on Lainey's side. She immediately embraces Lainey. She's the one who's nice to her. She's the one who realizes Taylor is a bitch. Like, mm-hmm. it's because I think that at some point we've all had that friend where we're like, this is a bad person. But for whatever reason, usually mutual friends, you can't get away from them. And yeah, it's like but- she sees Lainey as a replacement. Yes. But the problem I have with that is, and it's not Gabrielle Union's problem, okay? fault at all right uh, it's just that there's no real resolution mm. the The last thing we see of her is when uh, Dooley Hill is like happy that, that what's her face wins prom queen um, and she just gives him a look <laughs> and that's the last we see of it there's no real there's no like final interaction between her and Lainey you know, like Lainey gives a call later. Why go hang out later or something? Would have been nice, just to just to solidify that she really likes Lainey and wants to hang out with her, and she's done with those that the rest of them. You know, so that's probably why I forgot about her. Whereas there is, you know, finality with the the three characters that I mentioned. But you're right; she should be she should be in there. So that's four characters I like. There's there's probably too many characters. <laughs> There is far too many characters. Both main characters don't need to have siblings. Yeah. Um, and Tim Matheson suddenly appears um, as his dad. Mm-hmm. And the dad thing, I mean, his dad. I don't hate his dad. Because we only hear that his dad is um, that is doing this horrible thing of he, he wants him to, to uh, be like his dad, his dad wants him to be like him, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And run his life again, uh, live his life again for his son, blah, blah, blah. But then the dad says, 
that's bollocks, that's not what I want at all. So even then, he's lying to himself as well as Lenny. He's completely misread the whole situation with his dad. This is the storyline that I think has aged the worst. Like, I think there was a time where we accepted, like, oh, it sucks. Like, even if they're, like, wealthy, if their parents have decided how they should be. And now it's like, look at the privilege that he is whining about. Like, even Mm. if his dad's, like, go to this college, like, he could study like whatever he wants he could i mean he probably could go somewhere else like this guy is privileged and he's whining and in Mm. a world where people are living in poverty because of student loans yeah like that's just it's not as sympathetic especially since laney it's like her mom died and she's dealing with trust issues and stuff yeah and like having to take care of her brother and that's it, it, he just needs... I do like that she calls him out on it. Yeah, Zach's terrible. Yeah, I. it's not that I'm completely unsympathetic because everyone's worst problem is their worst problem, right? But in yeah. today's economy, <laughs> it doesn't really work. You find out his problem is a real problem. It's all in his head, basically. Yeah. Because his dad, his dad isn't forcing him to do anything. He's not forcing him to go to college to do a certain topic or a certain subject. He's letting him do what he wants to do. He just wants him to get into a good college. And he got into a few of them and just denied it. That's all in him. That's all in Zach. That's not his dad's fault. Yeah. But what's your second problem? Uh, The pubic hair thing. And Mm -hmm. here's the thing. My problem isn't even necessarily with the bullies putting pubic hair on the pizza. Because that seems like something Mm -hmm. nasty a bully would do. My -hmm. problem is that we're supposed to like Zach. And I think him making them eat it is... Doesn't bit- make them any better than them. Yeah. There are these moments where it's like they are... Because it's it's not just that they're making them eat a pubic hair. Um, but it's in front of the entire school. Like the level of humiliation there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the, they could have done as a substitute for that. But that it's just... It makes him... A little more unlikable to me. Yeah, guess what my second problem is, Jen? What? The bully scene. Partly because of what you just said, but also because it just comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I don't, we haven't seen him get bullied up until this point. Uh, they just appear, and the movie doesn't need it either. That could have been a scene that you cut out. Well, it shows that he's standing up for her brother and she sees it. Yes, yes, but we still don't need it because. The very next scene is when she finds out about the bet and the brother tells him to never phone here again, mm-hmm. asshole. So we still don't need... We take that entire bully scene out and the, the movie doesn't change. But then you have no Sarah Michelle Gellar. Well, you see, that's, <laughs> that's, that's true. And um, I saw someone uh, on Letterboxd write... This was their review of the movie, right? Sarah Michelle Gellar's non-speaking six-second cameo over Freddie Prince Jr.'s entire performance. Oh. Uh, I, <laughs> Which is funny, but, you know. <laughs> I think that this is another, the scene is another example of, like, I'm going to guess Kieran Culkin had a lot more. Because there's the hearing aids, and then there's also, like, this is the first time he's being bullied. But you, mm. I mean, you get the feeling from the scene he probably gets bullied all the time. And then there's yeah. also the fact that they are showing him dirty magazines, and it feels mm. like there's probably something else explaining why they would be doing that. 
Yes, and also I don't think they say anything regarding his hearing aids either. Yeah. Do they? No. So, it, so it'd be like you know, if you're why are you picking on him in the first place? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's horrible, but at least pick on him for his hearing aids. You know, give the bully some kind of motivation to make them more of a dick. But the scene just seems out of nowhere, and I do like the fact that Zach sticks up for Simon. Um, he's he's doing it for Simon. Mm-hmm. He's not doing it for Lainey because he doesn't know Lainey's there. He doesn't see Lainey. So I do think that that gives him a little bit sort of, you know, that helps him out a little. I think ultimately Zach is, like, he's one of those popular kids that actually is a nice, good person. It's just mm-hmm. that he gets so caught up in his own clique and the way they mm-hmm. do things. And, like, I think he's a lot like Gabrielle Union where it's like, you know, I think he's he's slowly realizing his best friend is a dick. And mm-hmm. he's like, I that happens a lot in school where you just like, you can be perfectly nice and then end up hanging out with people you maybe don't even really like because it's just like, and you get stuck there because once you get into a clique and you have mutual friends, it's really hard to make yourself just get out of it. I, I do like that he does it to stick up for Simon. Mm-hmm. But it's still pointless at the end of the day because he's had a lot of interactions with Simon and he clearly likes Simon. Um, we've seen, like, I think it was the last last scene before this that he and Simon interact that he, he is, he does like the kid. So I don't really see why you need this. Um, and also, it's a bit of gross out humour. In a movie that ha- up until this point hasn't really had any gross out humour. And it just seems to be crowbarred in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel that it's unnecessary. It just makes Zach out to be <laughs> like a bully. Uh, like the bullies. It doesn't make him, it doesn't make him a great guy doing that in my eyes. He could have just have walked in the room. And said, hey, leave Simon alone, because they're clearly scared of him as soon as they see him. Because mm-hmm. they stand up and they're, they're like, oh shit, he knows he knows Zach. So that would have, you know, scared the shit out of them, as it is. Yeah, so what is your third problem? There is no way they would let him sit there naked at graduation. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. Yeah, but also, didn't he win the bet? He he lost the bet because she had to be prom queen. Oh, right, make a prom queen. Yeah, and I I think yeah. it would have been better if it was just like he stands up and takes his um like graduation gown off and is naked. <laughs> but the fact that, that he's just sitting there naked, no, they wouldn't allow that. And it's yeah. just it's always bothered me a lot. That's the kind of thing that just pisses me off. I mean, it's a an amusing reveal, but wouldn't it be amusing if he just stood up and he's wearing a thing? And because now everybody around about him, and you know, even people who see him walking in mm-hmm. to sit down know that he's naked. Yeah, there's no surprise. Yeah, there, so it's better if he stands up and takes his robe off. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's got to movie, I guess. I do want to say, in Freddie Prince Jr.'s defense, that he has gotten better over the years. Um, mm-hmm. I watched uh, the new Punky Brewster show, and mm-hmm. he was on it, and I thought he was really good. So I'm just putting it out there. Like I, At this point, I didn't think he was a great actor, but he has improved. Yeah, he's done a lot of voice acting as well. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that sort of thing helps you out acting wise. Yeah. Because when you have to act sometimes opposite nobody, um, you're just in a booth yourself uh, getting directions. I think that does sort of hone your craft a little bit. It, it makes it improves your acting. I think it can do anyway. It got cancelled, but it's it's a cute show. It's fun. Oh, it got cancelled, did it? Yeah. No, it's not good. Yeah, it's a bummer. Did Saved by the Bell get renewed? Yes. Oh man, right. Saved by the Bell is solid. We're getting um, we're getting Peacock in the UK as an app, so we'll be getting Saved by the Bell on that. But I don't know when it's happening. Saved by the Bell is one of the better reboots, in my opinion. Like mm. a, a perfect mixture of old and new. Right. What's your third problem? Attempted sexual assault isn't funny. Yeah. Um, but it's okay because he gets deaf, mm-hmm. and you know that's that's hilarious, I guess. But also, why didn't we see it? Not that I want to see sexual assault, right? But why don't it's just weird that it's just in a like sort of throwaway line. Mm-hmm. He tried to assault me, so you know. But does she actually say that? Because I feel like she doesn't specify what happened. He tried. She said she tried something. I think she said. Okay, because I thought it was like that. It was said in a way where he could have assaulted her, but it also could have just been like he really tried to get her to go to the hotel, and she was in like she resisted, and then just did that. Yeah, but either way, it's still not good. No, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying, um, cause I thought about it at the time and I remember thinking maybe he sexually assaulted her, but I think there was a little room where it's like maybe he didn't actually assault her. No, I don't think, I don't think he, I don't think he actually assaulted her. That's why I said okay. attempted. But I think he tried to force her to go to the hotel yeah. room at the, at the very least. And gotcha. that's just as bad. Yeah. So she deafened him, but it, you know, show it, show him getting his comeuppance. Yeah, Dylan's convinced he was a virgin. Yeah, I think he is as well because of all the times he says, "Oh, I shagged this woman, I shagged that woman." It's like, yeah, okay, mate, you're probably a virgin. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, can I give my defense of people's biggest problem with this movie? Oh, were, you, were you waiting and me saying it? <laughs> no, no, no. I just wanted to. <coughs> I wanted to say it at some point, and so I, I was just going to bring it up now. Okay. Okay. So, and this goes back to like another teen movie is one of the things that makes me think about this, and it's so funny because um, while another teen movie makes fun of a lot of teen movies, like she's all that is kind of the main basis for it. Yeah. And of so when we were done watching this, Dylan was like, "Can we please watch another teen movie?" And I was like, "I'm too tired." But I did really want to watch it. But I'd taken a pill that mm-hmm. makes me sleepy. But anyway, <laughs> um, like the big joke in that movie is like, "Oh my God, she has uh glasses and paint splattered overalls. Like she's so ugly. Like people mm-hmm. like to complain about how Rachel Lee Cook is attractive." And it's ridiculous that they pick her for the makeover. And my defense Uh of it is that, I mean, she doesn't have a great personality. Like, I think that the decision to pick her had as much to do with personality than anything. And I feel like people don't really see that. Like, they think about it as just a makeover movie as far as, like, um, superficially, like, just her looks. But it's also Mm -hmm. a makeover of her attitude, and the way that she, mm-hmm. like, you know, that she doesn't let people in and stuff like that. And I 
I feel like that is something that is really ignored. And and I used to be that way too. I used to be like, this is so ridiculous. They think she needs, you know, a huge makeover and that she's ugly before. But it's she's not pleasant. No, but don't you think the fact that she's attractive, quote unquote, more attractive with her glasses off is why he starts to warp to her in the first place? Honestly... Because her personality doesn't really change. It doesn't really change as soon as she takes the glasses off. I think I think he actually warms to her early. Like, I think the fact that she... Like, he's so used to getting everything so easily, and the fact that she keeps rejecting him, I think that makes him mm. like her. Right. They do make a big deal about her being attractive with the glasses off. Yeah, the that's, movie true. Does, I mean. that's true. That's true. Because everybody knows you're ugly if you're wearing glasses. Exactly. So let's talk about that then, because I think, I, I agree with you, right? Mm-hmm. It is also about her personality, because he does say something about her being um, unapproachable or something, right? Yeah. But at the end, does he, he's accepting her for who she is, right? Because he gets to know her. But we don't know if he's going to say like that girl who was sitting down and eating a chocolate bar or something, and he freaked out because she was quote-unquote fat. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he has changed in that way. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, is he going to accept people for who they are and know that looks aren't everything? Uh, we don't know because she changed her appearance. I think a better ending to show that looks aren't everything is if it ended with her with her glasses on and them being together. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been like, looks aren't everything, you got to know her, he he loves her, um, but she's also attractive. But hey, she needs her glasses sometimes, you mm-hmm. know? How are wear glasses in this scene next to him? You know, it just seems a bit... Yeah, I don't know. How convenient is it that she already has contacts, she just doesn't wear them? Like, the yeah, idea that she already has them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it would be a better, a better ending if she put the glasses back on. Yeah. And just to show, you know, he loves her for who she is. So what is your positive? It's so funny because I did. It's been so long since we recorded that I forgot about that part until until we said <laughs> it at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I guess I'm gonna say. Oh, one quick, one more complaint is that I don't think uh-huh. they ever released the soundtrack, and I wanted the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand why they didn't do that, especially because "Kiss Me" was such a huge song. They could have made a lot it of was, money. Yeah. They could, but anyway. I guess my positive is the performances. Like, Freddie Prince Jr. isn't fantastic, but he has a few good moments. And everyone else mm. is really good. Like, I think Jodie Lynn O'Keefe is an underrated actress. She's not someone people really think about. Um, yeah. And Gabrielle Union, I think, is very warm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she's not given a ton, but she comes off as very genuine. And it's just there's there's a lot of people there that are are really good. Um, even Paul Walker, uh, like oh, he plays a good bastard. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, um, because he's also got that sort of he's that handsome sort of nice guy, good guy thing going for him. Mm-hmm. So the scenes where he is with Lainey, you know, y- you can maybe believe that he would actually be like that if he was, you know, not a dick. Yeah. Like he he's nice with Lainey when he's pretending. Yeah, he's so convinced. <laughs> like you can see how she would fall yeah. for it, and but the whole time you're mm-hmm. so angry because you're like, "This is bullshit." He is lying. He is he is pretending. He just has an issue with Zach, and like mm-hmm. they are clearly frenemies. Yeah, 
What's your positive? Um, yeah. I usually complain about random pointless shit like this, but my positive is the dance sequence in the program. Are you serious? <laughs> that was almost one of my problems. <laughs> yeah, because it's fun. <laughs> and, um, um, and it doesn't hurt that they're dancing to Rockefeller Skank by Fat Boy Slim, which I love. The thing we were talking about earlier about cutting stuff out, I read that they actually put this dance sequence in at the last minute to pad things out. Hmm. What did they cut out if they put this dance sequence I in? I mean, I would think that if they were trying to pad it up, like it would probably be because maybe prom needed to be longer. Um, the whole movie... Yeah, but the movie's only... Sorry, the movie's only 90 minutes as it is, so... But the... Like... I mean, the scene... The, the possible deleted scenes I'm talking about are things that would have been much earlier in the movie, and that kind of yeah. stuff can slow it down, whereas the whole movie is about getting to prom. But there, the mm-hmm. prom isn't actually as long as you'd think it would be, considering. No. So I can see why they would add it for that. And the only reason that wasn't one of my problems is because they do cover their asses by having Usher be like, hey, do that dance I taught you. So... So there's yeah. a reason why they know it. But then I'm also like, really, like, is Lainey really going to like a rehearsal or something and learning this dance? But she doesn't, does she do the entire dance? Because it's not, it's only a handful of people that actually do the entire dance and then there's a ring of people round about them. She does some of it. Uh, no, she shouldn't have been dancing. That makes no sense that she would know mm-hmm. the routine at all. But... I like the fact that there's only a handful of people doing the entire dance and then there's a ring of people around about them cheering them on. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes me think that, yeah, it should only have been, like, Usher taught, like, a group of people, a class of people, maybe. But it makes no sense that Lenny's doing it. But I, I do like that scene. <laughs> I think it's That's fun. not what I expected from you. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I shocked myself. <laughs> but on the other hand... Matthew Lillard's dance scene just stopped the movie dead for me. I really don't like that entire party scene at it all. It did, but can we talk about, like, he's so good in the rest of it. And there's yeah. been a thing recently, you know, it's kind of like the Brendan Fraser thing where people all of a sudden, like, on Twitter and stuff are like, hey, we've been sitting on Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard's great, and we haven't been appreciating him, and let's talk mm. about him. And it's really made me think about him in a whole different way, because I never really thought about that. And, like, there were some lines Dylan wondered if he improvised them, and I'm going to assume he did, because he probably his did. two best lines in Scream were him improvising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just love him. And he honestly, because one of the things that made me think of this movie is that we just watched uh, He's All That on Netflix. Right. And mm-hmm. Matthew Lillard shows up at the end and he steals the whole damn thing. Like that is a guy who understood the assignment. Yeah. No, I love Matthew Lillard. I've, I've loved him since, uh, since Scream. I think... He- because I love his performances. I think he's, I mean, and I love it too. And I always like, it's like, I, I never sat on that performance. Like I always understood it, but he's so mm-hmm. often like, he's rarely the lead. He so often plays smaller characters that I think sometimes it's mm-hmm. easy to just kind of forget about him. Um, mm-hmm. And he's great as Shaggy. And I love, oh, I love that he took over the cartoons after Casey Kasem stopped. Um, yeah. That's, I, it sucks that he didn't like, I know he was heartbroken. He didn't get to be in the movie that just came out. Um, that's garbage anyway so yeah but still he should have been doing the voice he always did the voice he should have been but yeah but he's still doing the TV series every single TV series he's still doing but he was good in uh, Twin Peaks although his storyline was kind of dropped Twin Peaks 
I have some problems with the four season, but uh, mm. he was in it, and it was it's always a delight to see him show up. Right. Well, I have written down some notes, as I always do. Okay. And I wrote down, Stuart Copeland does the score for this movie, and you can barely tell, because there's no... Re- I mean, there's one part of score later on, but the rest is just songs mm-hmm. that they've just added in. So there's no point actually having a composer. But Stuart Copeland uh, was one third of The Police. Okay. Um, and he composed one of the best TV show themes of the 1980s, which is The Equalizer. I like it when she drops the F-bomb mm-hmm. because it's off camera. It's on The camera's on him when she says it, so that's easier for them to cut for TV versions. Yeah. Um, also, I read that that was definitely M. Night Shyamalan. What, who wrote the F-bomb? Yeah. Okay. And I believe I read that he did the hacky sack scene. Oh, that oddly makes sense. There's There's been a bit of a, an argument about how much he did on it. Some people say he just polished the script. Some people say, like, he didn't write the, the original script, but some no. say he, like, did extensive rewrites on it. Um, but from what I was reading, it sounds like no matter which one is true, that he definitely did some of the bigger moments in the movie. Yeah. Um, I thought they were setting Eldon Henson's character up to be gay. That's what Dylan thought too, and I never thought that. It was so weird. It's just just the way he talks and just the way he acts, and um, <coughs> and it's and it, but I mean it's great. I like his performance, but it's then uh, but then him and Anna Paquin's a thing, so that's cool. But yeah, I definitely thought they were setting him up to be the, the gay best friend. Especially some of the things he was saying when they were in the canteen together mm-hmm. before the whole bully scene. Well, you know, that it could even be one of those things where maybe he was supposed to be and then Harvey shut it down. Yeah. There's, I have a, I, I, I just have a theory that Harvey Weinstein <laughs> did a lot of shit on this movie that wasn't good. Um, I, I rarely hear about him making any decisions that feel good to me. Yeah. And it's, it's shocking he got to the place he did. What, prison? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the, the success he did. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this movie? No. Cool. Uh, next next week's movie, we're doing something we haven't done before, and we are doing a, a birthday pick. It's my birthday on the 11th of October, which is next Monday, um, and we are going to do a movie from the year of birth of me, which is <laughs> 1976. So we're going to be doing Bugsy Malone. Okay. So we're going to be doing a musical. Is that our first musical? I don't know, but I didn't know that was a musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're doing a musical. Uh, where all the characters are played by kids and uh, Jodie Foster rocks. Um, so, yeah, that's next week's movie is Bugsy Malone. And then after that, we'll be doing our Halloween-type movies. So, there we go. Fun fact, I just realized I have never known anything about Bugsy Malone. Right. <laughs> oh, look, Scott Bayo. Yep, he's Bugsy Malone. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've never known anything about this movie. This is just like yeah. with Crocodile Dundee, where like I knew nothing about Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, so that's all we have time for. Um, if you'd like to follow the podcast on Twitter, it's at DropThePilotPod. If you want to contact at shiftybench.co.uk is the email address. 
Uh, where can people follow you online, Jen? Uh, at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter, and in theory, I have a Party 5 Rewatch podcast called Closer to Free, but we haven't recorded in a really long time. Okay. Um, thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.